does it? I don't think so. But he is saying that praying in private, in secret, removes a whole bunch of temptations and keeps us focused on the true purpose of prayer, which is communion with God. Praying behind closed doors helps us to die to our ego's constant need for recognition and accolades and praise. Doesn't Todd preach or uh, pray wonderfully? Prayer in secret helps us to keep our focus on God rather than trying to impress folks. Pray in this way, Jesus says in verse 6, and God will reward you. Ah, <laughs> is, is, uh, is Jesus talking about maybe a BMW? Or uh, how about a mansion or, or uh, our, our face on the color, cover of Rolling Stone? Sorry. Sorry. He's talking the reward, the precious reward, is the joy of a life connected with God. Aligned with God's kingdom. A God-centered, God-infused, God-directed life. Precious, precious. That's the reward. All right, so when we finally get into our room, wherever it may be, how should we pray? Well, to help us out, our Lord gives us a sample prayer, doesn't he? And tells us to pray in this way. And in our bulletin today, you can see some prayer experiments for us this coming week. And one of them is simply to pray the Lord's Prayer several times each day. Not on autopilot, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, but our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Reflectively. And even if we slow it down to actually think about what we're praying, it takes less than a minute, folks. The goal here is to let this prayer shape our prayers and also how we live. So first of all, our Father. Amazingly, Jesus invites us to address God as intimately as He does. As our Abba. And to affirm our core identity as God's beloved children. Our Father also tells you and me that in our relationship with God, you are my sister and you are my brother. Because God is our Father. And then next, Jesus orients our lives Godward with three radical petitions. Let your name be holy. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as in heaven. You see, after that, when our our whole focus is God-centered, 
Jesus then invites us to pray for our needs. Not my needs, our needs. Did you notice that? There's not a single me or my in this prayer. So while prayer is personal, it's never individualistic. Give us our daily bread. And so when we pray that, we're joining and paying attention to those who don't have bread. Give us our daily bread. Don't bring us to the time of trial, but deliver us from evil. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And I don't know about you, but for the longest time, that last one always made me choke when I prayed it. Forgive us our sins as proportionally as we forgive others? For me, at least, that felt like really bad news if God would only forgive me as much as I forgave others. But I think Jesus' point here isn't that God will only match our level of forgiveness. The cross, dear friends, the cross shows us clearly that God's forgiveness comes before and makes possible all of our forgiveness. But what Jesus is saying here, I think, is that we are not meant to be the final destination for God's forgiveness. Our refusal to forgive someone else blocks the flow of forgiveness flowing through us. Blocks the flow of forgiveness into our world. But when we do forgive a neighbor, God's grace is now able to flow into our life and their lives, transforming our circle of relationships. So dear friends, here's the wonderful thing. The more we share God's grace with others, the more we increase our own capacity to receive more of it ourselves. There's no end to this grace. And the more we share it, the more we receive, the more we expand our capacity to live grace-filled lives. So let's return to Matthew 6.6. Whenever you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father in secret, and your Father in secret who sees you will reward you. Now, over the centuries, those with the deepest prayer lives have been drawn to this magnet, or drawn like a magnet to this teaching about going to your room. And they've discovered that this room is not just a room in our homes, but also has a mystical meaning. Our inner room simply can be a room in our house. But it also can be a mystical communion with God that we experience wherever we may be. At school. At work. On a commuter train. 
riding your bike. I gave spiritual direction to a dear brother in Chicago who used his biking time for prayer. That's where he went to his inner room. Do you see what a gift this is? Whenever you are facing a difficult situation in your life, you can go to your inner room and recenter yourself in God. Think about that. This is why Christian mystics believe that being told by Jesus to go to our room is one of the best things he ever told us to do. Being told to go to our room by Jesus is one of the most gracious things he ever told us to do. And friends, is there a more beautiful psalm in all of Scripture than Psalm 131? Describing this kind of prayer relationship with God. Did you notice that in this psalm, prayer isn't just something we do with God when we're in a crisis, when we need to get something from God. Here in this psalm, our call to worship today, prayer is something that we do just to be with God. Just to hang out together. I had to look this up. But a weaned child, sorry, I'm a little, for many years, I, you know, we say things in Scripture, we don't know what they mean. What's a weaned child? Well, some of you mothers know well. A weaned child doesn't climb onto its mother's lap anymore for nursing, does it? Why does a weaned child climb up on your lap? For love. For communion. Hearing God's invitation to come to me. Do you hear the echo there with our verse of the year? Come to me. Come to me. We hear this invitation. We climb up onto God's lap. Place our head near our mother's heart. Listen to her heartbeat. And we commune with God. And the strange thing is, is that in the eyes of the world, while we're doing this, this surely seems like nothing but a waste of time, doesn't it? I mean, what would a scientist conclude that we're doing during this prayer time with God? Nothing's happening, right? But we know different. Because afterward, we find ourselves deeply refreshed, regrounded, and reoriented by God. So as we did last week, let's look now at some kingdom experiments. We don't want Jesus' teachings just simply to go in one ear and out the other. We want to begin to try to live these in our daily lives. And I invite you to choose just one of them. Unless you're a high achiever, you can choose all three. 
but choose just one of them for this coming week. The first one we've already heard, and that's just simply praying the Lord's Prayer silently and reflectively throughout the day. The second one is go to your inner room throughout the day, wherever you may be. Breathe silent prayers to God. Anne Lamott says it beautifully. There are these kinds of prayers in life. Prayers of wow. If you see something beautiful, breathe a prayer of wow to God. So awesome. Prayers of thanks. Sorry. I messed up again. Help. Dear friends, Kingdom Wi-Fi is available everywhere. Are you logged on? Kingdom Wi-Fi is available everywhere. Are you logging on? Finally, pray to God wordlessly with your body. Sometimes, depending on how God has wired us, this kind of prayer is helpful. It gets us out of our heads. Pray with your hands open in praise. Kneel down in silence. Dance for joy. Have you ever done that? Confess your sins with tears, with weeping. Breathe in the Holy Spirit. If you're facing a difficult decision, fast from food for a day so that you can listen more clearly for God's still small voice. Or make the sign of the cross. You know, uh, when I was a kid, I, I went to a Catholic school in Lebanon. And ever since then, whenever I'm in time of need with God, I just say, Au nom du Père et du Fils et du Saint-Esprit, Amen. And if any of you are wondering how to do this, our resident Roman Mennonite, Patricia Heyman, will be glad to teach you how to do this. So let's pause for a moment now and just let the Holy Spirit draw you to one of these experiments for this coming week. When I think about us here at East Chestnut, I doubt that our biggest problem is that we're all out on street corners praying. I walk the city a lot. I haven't seen any of you on a corner praying yet, but I'll keep my eyes open. Isn't our bigger problem that some of us actually never pray? Or that when we pray, we feel like we don't know how? Or we feel that somehow our prayers are inadequate and not pleasing to God? So let me end by assuring you that even your most faltering prayers 
are a delight to God. Think for a moment of our little kids here at East Chestnut, like dear Jericho running around. When one of our children takes its first wobbly steps, do we condemn them for not being able to run? No. We rejoice. When one of our children here at East Chestnut speaks our name for the very first time, do we rebuke them for not being fluent yet? No. We rejoice. So much more, dear friends, so much more does our heavenly parent rejoice and draw near to us when we pray. Amen.